Good evening. It's time to begin tonight. We have a couple announcements that we'd like to make before we get started. We'd like to welcome any visitor that we may have and encourage you to be back anytime that you can. Um, our pantry item for this week is out on the foyer by the door, so if you'll look at that as you leave, pantry item is out by the door. Sick at home, um, tonight we have Wilma Hawkins, uh, Carolyn Spivey, uh, Callie Hagen. I think Eric said she had a sinus infection and an ear infection, so Callie's at home sick. Uh, Bill Lamb, and then let's make sure we remember Kathy Thompson, who's having eye surgery um, this coming Tuesday, so let's remember her in our prayers. In the hospital, we have Barbara uh, Warford, Warford uh, who's at Central Host Centennial Hospital in Nashville, and she's going back to, to rehab. There's several things that are in the bulletin that you need to make uh, note of and, and grab one on your way out, but we'll go through um, just a couple. Following our services tonight, we have our fourth Sunday fellowship meal, so be sure to stay for that tonight. Um, this coming Saturday, which is April 28th, we'll have our canoe trip, um, so mark that in your calendars. And then we have several things coming up in May, just to note a few of them. On May 8th, we have our couples Bible study. On May 13th, we have our youth devotional. Um, and then Silver Threads will be on May 18th as well. Um, and I know in the bulletin that there's down to have a lock-in on May 18th. We are going to move that lock-in to June. Um, so scratch that. It's in the bulletin, but we're going to move that lock-in to June and make sure, let everybody get out of school before, before we have that lock-in. So that will be in June, not on May 18th. Um, on May 20th is our third Sunday youth singing. May 21st, we have Happy Hearts. And then May 26th is our family cookout. So just note those things um, in your calendars and be really ready to participate in them when the time comes. Are there any other announcements that I may have left out? If not, Wyatt Bohannon will be leading our singing. Todd Doris will have our first prayer. Ben Reniger will be bringing our lesson tonight. And our closing prayer will be by Jeff Parker. Five hundred and twenty-five. Five hundred and twenty-five. If it's surprised we have
for the open prayer would be 643. 643. I heard it all so with me. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this another wonderful day that you've granted to us, this Lord's Day, Father. We thank you for this another opportunity we have to gather here and worship you, Father, and sing songs praise to your name. Father, we're thankful for people in your kingdom, Father, our missionaries that go out into the world and sometimes risk their lives, risk their safety to, to spread the gospel, Father. Father, we pray that you watch over these individuals, Pray that you bless them and you keep them safe, Father. Pray that things they do may further your kingdom throughout the world, Father, and that more souls can be brought to you before it's everlasting too late. Father, help us as brothers and sisters to pray for them and help them out any way that we can, Father, so that we may, may show your love to everyone around the world. Father, we pray for all those that are sick in our midst, all those that are struggling with lost loved ones. Pray that you be with them and comfort them as only you can, Father, so that they may be restored, be made whole, and be brought back to their normal walks of life. Father, we pray that when the time comes for us to depart, that you'll watch over us and God guard and protect us and keep us in your care. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mark the invitation song to be 576. 
576. And before the lesson will be 554. 554. I think everyone knows me. <laughs> if you don't, I'll get to know you a little bit after the services this evening. And I uh, look forward to meeting and greeting uh, as many of you as I can tonight. Now, I made a big mistake. You, pre you know preachers don't ever make mistakes, don't you? I made a big mistake this afternoon. I forgot uh, about my brochures. I'm kind of like the preacher that was on his way home from church on his way home from his study during the week, and his wife called him on the cell phone all tore up. She said, honey, honey, don't get on the interstate coming home. She says, there's an idiot on the wrong side of the interstate, and car, the cars are having to dodge him. And he says, one. She said, it must be at least a dozen. <laughs> so we do make mistakes sometimes. But uh, I had some good help before the services started in uh, folding some of our handouts. And I hope that if you didn't receive one before the services began, that uh, you'll get one as the, after the services. There's also a donation box on the table in the foyer and some envelopes uh, there by the box. Now, I call those envelopes magic envelopes because if you put a donation in that envelope and put a stamp on it, drop it in the mail, then in just a few days, you'll get one just like it back in the mail. So it's kind of like magic. But we do need your help with the work in India. Y'all have been so gracious. You've helped us for so many years. People that you helped us convert years ago have been winning souls ever since and continue to win souls. People that they have converted have become soul winners. And so what we have uh, is almost like a chain reaction. It's like a network explosion. As people learn the truth, obey the truth, and they teach others, then those people obey the truth. And then those people teach more people. When I first uh, was introduced to the work in India, we were having over 100,000 baptisms a year. And I couldn't imagine that many people being baptized in a year. And then the numbers kept rising because those who were converted became soul winners themselves. 
And as the years went by, we hit 500,000 baptisms. And I thought, isn't this wonderful? Then we hit uh, 750,000. Then 950,000 in 2015. 2016, we went over 1 million baptisms. And last year, 2017, again, over 1 million baptisms. It's hard to wrap your head around that many people obeying the gospel of Christ. Now, if you look in the New Testament, uh, Jesus was followed by multitudes. And Jesus' ministry spanned about three years, and then He sent His apostles into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. Many of the apostles uh, stayed in the, uh, land, in the Bible lands region for a period of time. Thomas the one that is often called Doubting Thomas, who wasn't doubting after he saw the resurrected Jesus, went down through Persia, Babylon, Iran, Iraq, down in that area. When he reached the water's edge, then he got on a ship and sailed to India about A.D. 52. And then he preached his way down through India and went over to what's today Myanmar, used to be called Burma, and then China, and eventually to Japan. And as he was coming back through those areas, encouraging the brethren, he got to India and he was martyred. He was killed by Hindus there in India and was buried there for a period of time. Now his uh, bones have been moved to Italy. But at one time, the Apostle Thomas was buried in India. So the gospel spread in the first century around the world. The uh, numbers must have been in the millions by the time the gospel spread that far. Well, today we are blessed to uh, have a little part in a great big work in India. We're like the spark plug in a big diesel uh, tractor trailer truck. Uh, we Americans are like little spark plugs under the hood, glow plugs, I guess you'd say, in a diesel engine. And then this big apparatus just keeps on winning souls. And that's what it's all about. It's not what we Americans can do. It's what the Lord can do through the people that are converted. Now, Jesus, in Matthew 9, 35, we're told Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And we try to follow the example of Jesus and the apostles. We try to go not only to the big cities like Jerusalem, but we go to the small towns and to the villages where in many cases there's no road even out to that village. The only way you know how to get there is for somebody to guide you and take you out through what looks like a cow pasture following a uh, cow path. And all of a sudden here's this village of 50 or more huts. And uh, in a lot of cases over 5,000 people will live in a little farming village uh, way out in the country, no road even leading to it. So we go to those villages as well as to the big cities and the towns. Now our Americans on our team, uh, we're just the tip of the iceberg, but there are 12 of us now. Uh, there are 30 teams from Churches of Christ that work in India. We're one of the largest teams. Uh, Ron Clayton started this team 40 years ago. Uh, Jairus and Juanita, Jairus Bullard began to help him and uh, today they are very important parts of our team. Uh, Kyle Clayton, Ron's son, uh, came to India, met a girl there, and married her. They have three beautiful children, live most of the time in India. Robert Hall's down at Athens, Alabama. I live at Fayetteville, Tennessee, used to preach over at Clearview. Jerry Edwards is in Elkton, Kentucky. David Nance is near Memphis. Michael Hughes is just over the Mississippi River in Marion, Arkansas. Joe and Diane Evans are over near Little Rock, Arkansas. But we work with a vast number of Indian brethren in India. The number has grown over the years. We have about 70 supported native missionaries. Now they are so busy they can't hold a job. Uh, they can't run their business. We keep them so busy in preaching and teaching and helping to develop congregations and training preachers that, uh, and helping us go into campaigns that they, uh, we're, they're fully supported. But over 52,000 
local Indian preachers work with us in a network in 17 of the 29 states of India. So we, our team is large and the number of workers in India is huge. We Americans are just the tiny tip of a great big iceberg. And it's the Indian brethren who carry the gospel to their, their own countrymen. We ask that these men fill out reports and turn them in to us so that we can track the spread of the gospel in India. The reports look like this. On the left are the, the places, the villages where the preaching was done. Then uh, in the middle you see the name of the preacher, Suresh and Rajesh and Rajarao. Then next to that is the one who did the baptizing. They usually go out two men at a time. One will do the preaching, the other will do the baptizing. And then on the right you see the numbers of uh, people obeying the gospel. Uh, most of the numbers are small and uh, sometimes they're zero. But when you add up all the gospel meetings that are conducted and campaigns, then the numbers rise quickly. In fact, last year we had over 544,000 gospel meetings in India. The average was about uh, a little less than two baptisms per gospel meeting. Now we count a gospel meeting uh, something like three to four hours of teaching either in a home or in a denominational church building or uh, somewhere along the way. Most of the time it's a one day program. Uh, people are so, uh, you know, they, they have to go to work, they have to go to school, whatever. And so we get together with them three or four hours, the whole family, and most of the time uh, the whole family will be baptized, including any teenagers. So uh, we have denominational preacher seminars, we have campaigns, but all total added up last year over half a million gospel meetings. And the result then over one million new brothers and sisters in Christ. Please pray for these people. Uh, they're reached through a network and they will be continued, continually taught uh, through whoever it was that brought the gospel to them to begin with. Uh, Paul taught Timothy and Titus and then they would go on uh, campaigns as you read about in the book of Acts and uh, they would go to a city, preach and teach. Sometimes Paul would move on, leave them behind uh, like he told Titus to appoint elders in every city. And so uh, that's kind of what we see in India uh, with these brethren. Now uh, last year the Lord blessed us with over 9,000 new home churches. And that's uh, congregations meeting in someone's home. As time goes by they will merge together and form a larger congregation, buy property, build buildings and so on. But uh, they have to start essentially in the homes. And then uh, we try to reach out to denominational pastors and church workers to convert them. Many of them are from a Pentecostal background. Uh, they, they have a lot of excitement but very little Bible knowledge. And when we're able to study with them and show them the church in the Bible, they say, that's the church I want to be a member of. And so they're baptized into Christ and uh, we, last year we had over 4,000 denominational church workers, uh, pastors, teachers and so on, that were converted and baptized into Christ. Now folks, we don't support local preachers. We don't support local churches. You're doing them a disservice. They need to, the preachers need to teach the church members to give. If they don't teach their church members to give, that church will never grow and mature and develop. It'll never have its own building. It'll never have its own preacher. It'll never send money out for mission work. And so they need to be taught. Most of the Hindu people give a, like a rupee or two a day to their temple. And a rupee, it takes 65 rupees to make a dollar. So they are more or less just making a token gift to their temples. When they become Christians they keep on giving a rupee or two, you know, average a rupee or two a day. So our preachers have to teach them that we're to give as we have been prospered. Now they're very poor, but they can afford to give a whole lot more than one or two rupees uh, at a time. And when they learn that that's expected of them, when they see the needs of widows and orphans and supporting the spread of the gospel, they're more than willing to give. But somebody has to explain it to them, show them from the Bible that we give to what we're prospered 
uh, not the smallest amount we think we can get away with. All of our workers in India just about are self-supporting. All the churches are self-supporting. And that allows us then to keep on going to new areas, uh, preaching and teaching there and starting new congregations. It also keeps people from being dependent on money. And it keeps the church preacher on the same page together. Uh, so it's a very important thing. Now, over the last 10 years, the average cost per convert has been less than $3. Now, in many mission points, especially when they first start up, it may be ten dollars or $15,000 per convert. And that, you know, that's expensive, and it's hard to uh, get a church started and hard to keep the church going. Uh, many times, missionaries get discouraged, and uh, it's just very frustrating. And it's also frustrating for congregations uh, on those first few years to see the slow startup. We've been blessed in India to have started many years ago. Brother Charles Scott, uh, Brother James Johnson, and many others uh, who've gone on to their reward and have trained other men. And those men now are still faithful in working, and we're working with them to evangelize their country. So the cost per convert has gone down. Now, we still need your help. Uh, we need individuals and we need congregations uh, to help us with the work in India. Now, we don't want to take away from the local contribution. We don't want you to stop giving there so that you can start giving to help us in India. But if you can help, if you can, continue, if you can give more than just to the local church, we need your help. Uh, the, every time we baptize somebody in India, that opens up about 50 other prospects. We literally have people waiting to be taught, waiting, wanting somebody to come and teach them. And we're sending people as soon as we can. But we have to give expense money to our preachers to go to new areas and uh, preach and teach and start new churches and go back week after week. And so we need your help to do that. Uh, a lot of our ladies' Bible classes are giving money to buy sewing machines for preacher's wives and widows in India. A preacher's wife can support the whole family and more or less put the preacher on a full-time evangelist basis by her taking in sewing from her neighbors and family members. And same thing for a widow. We have widows that support two or three other widows and also help with the expenses of preaching the gospel. So a sewing machine for $100, $125 uh, that'll last for years and years can really revolutionize a local congregation's work. Also, we'd like to ask you to consider including us in your will. Now, last year, we got a check for over $98,000 from an estate. This brother had given while he was living, and he had written us into his will so that when he passed away, uh, we got a nice big check. Folks, it takes a long time to raise $98,000. It takes many congregations giving a lot to reach that same amount of money. And yet his estate uh, furnished that kind of money for campaigns in India. So we need your help. We've got so much campaign follow-up to do. We need Bibles. Uh, we need uh, to build more preacher training schools. We need to give bicycles to preachers that have been with us five years or more. We have a lot of preachers who need medical help for them and their families. So please consider helping us. Please keep us in your prayers. And if you can help, there's, by the way, there's a donation box at the back, but you can mail in a donation anytime. Now, I want to quickly give you an overview of uh, my most recent trip to India. We landed in Hyderabad and stayed in, on the second floor of this building. Now, we leased this building. Uh, the ground floor is parking. The first floor up is the office. Second floor is the church building and, a, and an apartment for visiting Americans. The next floor up is uh, Kyle and Sony Clayton's uh, apartment. And then the top floor is Ron and Karen's apartment. They're, about six, they're there in India about six months out of the year. Now, you can just imagine paying $100 a, a night for a motel room uh, for half a year. <laughs> it would be expensive. We can rent this building for just about uh, what a nice home would rent for here in the Nashville area. So we uh, 
land in Hyderabad. Uh, my campaign is February 14th through March 14th, a little shorter than usual. Usually go for six weeks. Uh, this time I had to go for four weeks. Now you know that we can't get a missionary visa. We have to go in on tourist visas. <clears throat> we have to uh, stay and work intensely and then go back to the America. And so uh, this was just a four week campaign. During the 30 days, I got to preach 92 times in India. We had 292 uh, baptisms uh, in the time, just in the, uh, the groups where I preached. And we had many thousands in the campaigns that we sent workers out uh, in all directions to conduct while we were there. Lord willing, I go back to India uh, in September and uh, uh, Brother Tony Duncan from over at Centerville is uh, planning to go with me. I look forward to uh, him teaching classes on that trip. Well, we flew into Hyderabad and then uh, after repacking, we flew over to Rajamundry, which is in uh, Andhra Pradesh state. Then we worked our way back to Hyderabad. Now, uh, states are a little bit confusing to people that uh, uh, don't have a map in front of them, so I like to show you a map. We land in Rajamundry, which is on the east side of the Godavari River. And then we cross the bridges, uh, beautiful bridges, over into West Godavari District and go to Talapudi, uh, which is a city of over 50,000 people. It's not a small town, it's a big city. And uh, we have a boy's home there for needy boys. Now, not all these boys are orphans. Some of them have either a mother or a father. The father may be disabled, but still alive. Uh, the mother, uh, the husband may have died and the wife can't support the child. And so we have varying degrees of orphans in this home. But uh, we have 21 boys and uh, they're, a lot of them now are, are college age. So soon they'll be going out and folks, they are excellent preachers personal workers, song leaders, uh, they, they are excellent workers in the Lord's kingdom already. And when they pick a good wife, then uh, they will be a real service to the Lord. And y'all have helped support uh, our taking care of orphans in India. Now, right next to the boys' homes, the church building and the guest quarters where I stayed while I was in Talapudi. Uh, on Monday, uh, we worshiped with the church in Talapudi on Sunday, and then Monday, we got up and went back across the river uh, into Rajamundry. We had rented uh, the Lutheran Church building downtown, really nice building, well-known. Everybody can find it easily. And we invited all of our preachers for miles around to come for a special series of classes. And guess what I was teaching? Teaching on giving. <laughs> Teach your members to give. And that's one of the greatest needs. And they've asked me wherever I go the last few months or last few years uh, to teach on giving. And so we got everybody together and uh, we filled the building there with uh, preachers, our preachers mainly, but they brought some of their uh, denominational preacher friends with them. We had several of them baptized as a result of this series of classes. Then uh, on Monday afternoon, we drove on down to Mangalagiri now, uh, Mangalagiri is just over the river from Vijawada. Now, folks, th this is the new capital of the state of Andhra Pradesh. They're getting ready to build a brand new city near Mangalagiri that will be like Washington, D.C. It'll be the capital city of this uh, state. And, of course, there's more people in this state, and there are a lot of countries in the world. So it'll be huge. And a lot of our church members will be getting jobs uh, helping to uh, serve uh, as this, these buildings are being built and then as uh, staff afterwards. Now, February the 20th through the 24th, I was invited there in Vijuwada to conduct a special series of Bible classes. And uh, this is the welcome banner that they put up for us. Uh, each day, uh, we had uh, a full house and uh, they kept a, a record of each person and contact information. And uh, it was mainly for our preachers. But as a result of uh, so many being there, we had several baptized. I'll tell you about that in a minute. On Thursday afternoon, uh, we did a little side trip. 
Now, we go as tourists, and we go through the airport, and they say, what did you see while you were in India? You better have a good answer, <laughs> because they're looking for terrorists, and they're looking for smugglers and uh, spies and all kinds of things. So if they ask you, what did you see in India? You tell them right quick. They say, uh, pass right on by. But if you hesitate, you say, uh, 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 they say, would you step over here? We want to talk to you some more. So we always like to go to places and memorize everything we can about them. And uh, we happen to have a chance to go to the Undivali Caves, a uh, rock-cut temple, four stories high, uh, there right outside of Mangalagiri. And uh, it was built, and there's a marker in front of it, said it was started in the 6th century, 6th and 7th century, and uh, worked on until the 16th century. Well, we're in the 21st century. <laughs> so this is an old temple that's been there a long time. Now, the bottom part of it is pretty crude. And this is where, at first, they, car they just took chisels and hammers and carved out these stones, uh, carved them into rooms, and left pillars uh, every little ways. <clears throat> they uh, had their rituals there. Uh, they ground spices and... Uh, uh, rice and things there on these in these uh, indentions in the floor and up at the very top are some statues that are marvelously carved now I can take modeling clay and make something that looks a little bit like that folks they're carving this in limestone rock and marble and so it's a it's a different ball game carving uh, like they had to do at night we had our gospel meetings in the area uh, every day the uh, a role and attendance was taken. We had some people that just came one or two days. <clears throat> we had other people that were there every day of the week. And so uh, we kept up with it so that we could do follow up with them. At the end of the week, we had 10 denominational preachers baptized, <clears throat> which I thought was uh, well worth the time spent. Then we went on up to Vishana Peta which is way out in the, the countryside. Now, Vijawada is a big city, bustling. Uh, you go out a little ways, and you're out in the country. And Vishanapada is way out in the country, very rural. And uh, we checked into a cheap, cheap, sorry, pitiful hotel, <laughs> spent the night. And uh, when my wife and I were there in the fall, <clears throat> my wife made her fourth trip last fall, we dedicated this church building, and while we were there, Brother uh, G. Maresh said, Brother, can you please come and help teach some classes here to help train my preachers? He said, I really need your help. So I told him I would do that and was blessed on this trip to be able to come back and uh, to spend some time there. Uh, first, on Sunday, we had our worship services, and the new building was almost full. I was very encouraged that uh, the congregation had grown since the last time I was there. We had two uh, requesting baptism, so we went immediately to a nearby lake and baptized those two souls into Christ. And then beginning on Monday morning, we uh, began a two-day denominational preacher seminar. Now this is, it helps train our preachers, but uh, they wanted to bring their preacher friends. So we told them, go ahead and uh, Brother G. Maresh here and his wife are garlanding me like you, if you go to, go to Hawaii, they put a lei around your neck. Well, that's traditional in India also. So they put flowers around your neck and welcome you as the guest speaker. Now, uh, it's a two-day denominational preacher seminar. Many of our preachers are there in the audience as well as their friends that they brought. Uh, you see here the names and the uh, mobile phone numbers so they could be contacted for follow-up after the program was over. Folks, when it closed, we had 21 denominational preachers baptized into Christ. So you think I'm getting excited by this time? Uh, you know, I've been working in India several days, and it's hot. And, uh, but I'm just excited. I am fired up. So we go then. Uh, at night, we had our gospel meetings. One of them, we had 14 requests for baptism. So... I was real excited about that. We went from Vishanapeta then to Kamam, and uh, we stayed in a house there, uh, stayed on the upstairs of the preacher's home there. Uh, they have an apartment fixed up uh, for us, 
and we really enjoyed staying with them. Now, uh, here's the preacher and his family, Brother C.H. Probacher, Ch uh, Chilica is the name spelled out, but we just call them the C.H. boys. Five brothers, all gospel preachers, second generation gospel preachers. They folks are the backbone of the church in uh, this area, Kamam and Waira and several other areas, uh, several other uh, towns in that area. But Brother Probacher and his family took care of us. So his wife cooked for us every day and then uh, they would uh, put the food in containers and bring it upstairs and serve it to us upstairs like a restaurant. So it was a lot of extra trouble on them and my car driver and translator and uh, visiting preachers and all would eat upstairs with me. Well, we had our two days of denominational preacher seminars there in Kamam, uh, resulted in 27 baptisms into Christ. So I'm getting more and more excited as we go along. Again, uh, I asked them about the follow-up. They said, brother, we've got all the names of those that were baptized. And in another book, we've got the attendance each day and their contact information. And they assured me they would follow up with these folks. Then uh, we slept at Kamam and drove up to Waira each day for a two-day program up there. And uh, at the end of that program, we had 37 baptisms for, of denominational preachers. So we get excited in a hurry. Now I want to show you something about, uh, uh, I asked Brother C.H. Chenacodia, one of the C.H. boys, uh, I said, I, I don't speak the language. <clears throat> I can't sit down with all these men and get their stories. I said, would you interview them and write down for me what they said? He said, brother, I'd be happy to do that. So for two days, he is talking to these people and writing information down. And at the end of the, as we were getting ready to leave, he handed me this handwritten sheet of paper. Well, I began to read it and I began to get more excited. Look at number four. A man, a denominational man from a Pentecostal background with two congregations. Uh, he was baptized into Christ and he says he plans to change all of them, that is the churches. Uh, he'll teach them and baptize them and uh, take down the church signboard and put up uh, Church of Christ meets here. And so uh, he's been 12 years a denominational pastor in the Pentecostal church. Uh, his support was $10,000 a month, uh, 10,000 rupees a month. And he gave that up to become a New Testament Christian. Now the next one, number five on the list was a Catholic priest for 15 years. He worked in uh, several different places and each place had a building built by the Catholic church for them to use for their worship. And he, gave, he received all of his support from the Catholic Church. And when he became a New Testament Christian, guess what happened to all of that? He became uh, an orphan, as they call them in India. That's what the denominations try to use to intimidate men that leave the denomination. You became an orphan. You know, you don't have a denomination anymore. We would take care of you. But these Church of Christ people, while well, you don't know them, they're not your family. And so that's, that's the kind of tactics they use to try to get these men back. So uh, 37 denominational preachers baptized into Christ there. <clears throat> now we have a two-year school at Naretta Cherla. Uh, we went from Kamam uh, on down to Naretta Cherla. And Brother A. Abraham is the director there. This is him behind the pulpit. And uh, excellent organizer. Uh, excellent preacher, very, uh, very deep and wide knowledge of the Bible and Bible history and Bible geography and uh, archaeology and just amazing man. I've met men here in America that uh, didn't have any better uh, education and understanding than this man. And he is one of our workers there in India training our preachers. Uh, bless his heart, he has health problems. But he is powerful, and he does so much good. We have a two-year school there. The men on the far left are first-year uh, students. The ones on the right are second-year students. Now, when I went to Freed Hardeman, Freed Hardeman only had a two-year uh, uh, two program 
Uh, and then I stayed for a third year to get my uh, bi my certificate, or not not a certificate, but third year Bible program for preachers. So, uh, you know, Freed Hardeman was just a two-year school at one time. We hope that we'll be able to develop this school into a full-fledged college, Bible college, uh, to help train our preachers and maybe even uh, confer degrees upon them later on. So please pray for us. This is our most advanced campus. We have four campus schools, but this is the most advanced of the four. Now, when I was there, I, they asked me to teach the uh, two classes of preacher students about giving and teaching on giving, which I was glad to do. And then they said, we want to get everybody together. We want you to preach the gospel to uh, everybody. So they went out and got the wives of the students, the children, the staff, uh, the workers <laughs> and, uh, that were doing construction work nearby. <laughs> they got everybody and brought them in. And they, I said, well, what do you want me to preach? They said, we want you to preach on saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's one of the sermons I preached many times. And so uh, I preached that sermon there for them. Uh, very special group of people. Now, we went from the Redicherla on to Hyderabad and uh, then up from there up to Beter, which is in the neighboring state of Karnataka State, K-A-R-N-A-T-A-K-A. -A so I had worked in Telangana and Andhra Pradesh State already, went over into Karnataka State to work at Beter for a few days. We worshiped with five different congregations on the Lord's Day there in Beter. And uh, this is the first one on a veranda. Any of you have a veranda at home? That's another name for a porch. And so the church meets on the porch of this uh, family's home. This is an inside look uh, inside the porch. Uh, we've had a wonderful worship service there. Everybody's sitting on the floor. Ladies, how would you like to come to church and sit on the floor? Uh, I'm getting kind of older. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to come to church and sit on, sit on the floor. They bring me a chair when I go in the door. Usually they'll bring a plastic chair uh, for me to sit in because they know it's hard for me to get up and down. Now, the second meeting was in the home, Brother D. Rubin. Uh, his two sons led the worship service. They're both the experienced gospel preachers. And uh, Brother Patterson and also Brother Nelson conducting that service. Then we went to another home, Brother Anson Paul, uh, a school teacher there in Beter, invited us to come and to his worship service and preach there. So a total of five places uh, on the Lord's Day. Then it was a two-hour drive back to Hyderabad to pack up and to go home. So please remember that we need your help in India. And uh, uh, we send out reports every month. We also send out reports by email. So if you want to sign up for any of those reports, let me know. Now, we have a program uh, that's been named the Macedonian Project. You remember uh, back earlier this year when we had the hurricanes and flooding in Florida, and also in Texas and several of the islands of the Caribbean Sea. Well, the news in India reported the flooding in Florida and Texas, and the brethren there said, oh, those people helped bring the gospel to us here in India. We've got to do something. So they asked Brother Ron Clayton, and he said, well, pray for these people. They said, brother, we're already praying for them. What else can we do? And Ron thought, well, you can give. Now, you, he's talking to poor people. $300 a year is the income for a lot of these people. Not $30,000 a year, $300 a year. They've got to feed their family, buy clothing, take care of shelter, uh, medicine, doctor visits, whatever, and on $300 a year. And Brother Ron Clayton says, well, if you want to give, you can give. And they said, okay, we want to give. Brother Chakravati brought to the office while I was there a fishbowl full of money they had taken up in two of the congregations on Sunday before. This was on Monday he brought it. And we took it and laid it out on, on a table there in the office and counted it, 22,321 rupees. And that totaled $339.50. We put that in the bank in India 
And then we, in America, we turned around and sent a check for $339.50 to one of the churches there in Florida that had, been, had sent money in the past to help with the work in India. Well, folks, over 100 donations have come in in India and have been funneled through us to the needy areas in Florida and Texas, a total of over $30,000. Now, that's not a whole lot in our world today. But for these people in India, when Paul says uh, that the Macedonians gave above and beyond what they were able to give, I think that's a pretty good description of how these brethren have been giving and are continuing to give to help. The, it's going to take years for Florida and Texas to get over the flooding. So these brethren, I don't know how long they'll give, but isn't it wonderful that they are willing to give to help us in America? Folks, I wish I had time to tell you all about uh, the things that we see in India and uh, you would, your heart, at one moment you'll be, your, your heart will be warmed and expanding and the next minute you'll be crushed at the things that happen and the sacrifices these people make. I want to take just a minute to tell you about a man who was baptized last year. We were running a campaign in the Beater area, Brother uh, Sharnapa, who's a school teacher there in the blue shirt, uh, was uh, conducting the campaign in the Balky area, way out in one of the villages. And uh, now we have meetings at seven o'clock, eight o'clock and nine o'clock. We've got so many people wanting us to come and preach the gospel that you know a one hour service is not gonna get it. And so what we do, we preach in one area for about 30 minutes with a translator and then we get in the car and we drive 30 minutes to another area, preach there for 30 minutes, get in the car, drive 30 minutes, and finally about 9 o'clock you start your last gospel meeting of the evening. Well, Brother Sharnapa in the 9 o'clock hour was in one of these remote villages and he preached and several people, I think about 10, responded for baptism. Well, it's too late at night to go out to the water. And so he told them, you come to Balky in the morning, my, his home village, at 7 o'clock, and I'll hire a vehicle to take us all to the canal so you can be baptized. Well, the next morning, this 80-year-old man that had responded the night before was there at Brother Sharnapa's house 7 o'clock in the morning. He left his village about 4 a.m., now, a lot of these men have worked in the fields. They, their bodies are just worn out. They walk with a, just a shuffle, uh, maybe a four or six inch step, something like that, you know. And he left his village and walked all the way to Brother Sharnapa's house to be baptized. Now, folks, would you say he was converted? He wasn't just dipped in the water? This man had been a Hindu all of his life, 80 years, and he... He comes to uh, be baptized at Brother Sharnapa's house. They made a photo to send to me because they knew I would want to see that. So I'm sharing that with you tonight. But what about you? Have you been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? These people in India know what that means. They're lost and their sins will condemn them if they're not baptized. And they want to be saved. They want to go into heaven to be with Jesus Christ forever. And so they come and say, I want to be baptized. And tonight, we've announced an invitation song. If you're ready to be baptized tonight, then we invite you to come as we sing this song. Let us know that you want to be saved from your past sins. If you are a Christian, you've been baptized, but you need our prayers for any reason. And we hope you'll come while we stand and while we sing.
if you need to partake of the Lord's Supper, you can go in the back room right now. Closing song would be 682. 682. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. There is only one God. pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this Lord's Day and for the opportunity to assemble here today as your children to worship you, Father, and we pray that everything that we have done has been in accordance with your will and that we have worshiped you in spirit and in truth. Father, we pray that you'll continue to bless those that are sick, especially those mentioned in our announcements. For those, Father, that are in the hospitals and those who have had surgeries or are about to have surgeries, Father, we pray that you'll lay your healing hand upon each and every one of them, that they can be back about their normal walks of life as soon as possible, if it be your will. Father, we're so thankful for our ministering servants throughout this world, those throughout this country and those over in India and, and other foreign lands. Father, we just pray that you'll help us to be able to support them in any way that we can. We know, Father, that if if the seed is planted from your word, that you will you will give the increase of saving lost souls. Father, we pray now that you'll bless the food that has been prepared in, in the fellowship hall downstairs. We pray, Father, as the food nourishes our bodies, that we will look to serve you each and every day that we live upon this earth. We pray, Father, that you'll guide and watch over us when we depart from this place this evening. Keep us safe. We ask that you will always forgive us of our sins when we do sin. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.